Yeah, John and the team were just such a, a gift to me uh, this summer. I had a great time, and it's great to be back. Uh, actually, your amazing team, Jamie, Sulinda, Hannah, Ricky, John, and Amber, give them a hand. And all of you who volunteered, I have to tell you, it was amazing. Like, I told you before I left, I was going to pretend it was 1992. No texts, no emails, no instant messages. And let me just tell you, coming back to the future, 1992 was awesome. <laughs> now, it was hard being offline. There's a lot of stuff that happens online. Uh, but even like I, I took a trip to Washington, D.C., and to Wisconsin, and I'd printed out maps before because I didn't want to use my phone. And it is hard driving with paper maps. <laughs> I realize it's maybe there are some technological advances that are good for us. But it was a great experience. And I have to tell you, it was the oddest thing. I, I learned so much uh, about how much time I waste being online. I did another little experiment. I decided to only watch TV when my wife wanted to watch it which I discovered is not very much. <laughs> and she doesn't like the World Cup. So that was really disappointing. But, but it was a great summer. I, I learned some things, not being on TV, not being online. And uh, one of those is uh, more peace. Did you know that on average, Americans grab their phone 80 times a day? And actually, that's once every 12 minutes. And there was literally a couple days I would just like reach, and there was nothing there. <laughs> it was like this, this twitch. And actually, those who use their phone in the top 10%, we touch, swipe, click 5,427 times a day. Now, the rest of you still, on average, use it 2,000. You touch it somehow 2,617 times a day. So without all this time online, I had a chance to really walk around and think and pray and reflect. There were many times I was literally the only person at the airplane terminal not looking at their phone. Only person in the store not looking at their phone. And man, people look funny looking down all the time. It, it, it was a really interesting experience. The other thing I discovered though too is that when you aren't online, you can have deeper thoughts, but you can also have scarier thoughts. And I started realizing, I wonder if that may be why I'm online all the time, because my mind really can wander in the wrong direction, which is why the scriptures tell us, take every thought captive. But that's a whole other message. <laughs> I was also incredibly productive. I read through 21 books in the Bible. I, I actually was trying to read through the, the Bible in a year, and I was already two years and six months in, and so I finished with all I had left this summer. Uh, I read a book on the soul of a leader and three books on the new heavens and new earth. I read about how King Edward, the one who abdicated the British throne, was actually conspiring with the Nazis to take over the throne. I found out all sorts of crazy stuff. I learned about the Chinese revolutions. I read this whole big book about that. I read parts of books on the Enneagram, on the Hebrew prophets, on Gandhi. I replaced our window AC unit in the office. I went to physical therapy after hurting my back, replacing the AC in our window <laughs> in our office. I registered uh, both our cars. I got my son registered for college and my daughter, her driver's license, renewed our passports, went on family vacations. I even went to the dentist and started learning a foreign language, <laughs> ASL. <laughs> and so I, I had such a productive summer, but I also discovered something I had forgotten, and that's called rest. Slept in, went out to eat, 
just enjoyed a simpler pace of life. If you are ever offered the opportunity to be off for two months and paid to do it, take it. It was fantastic. It's such a gift. Every seven years as pastors, we get a sabbatical here at Gateway, and I'm so grateful for that. And I've come away determined to once a week take a Sabbath. Now, I didn't make that up. It's actually in the Bible <laughs> and something we too often neglect every week, one day, just offline, just together. And, and maybe for you, that can become your Sundays. You come expecting God to speak to you, expecting God to move through you and use you in this space and then share a meal with family or friends and, and stay offline for the day. Just turn uh, a day a week into the Sabbath. But I come back also very excited. We kicked off the series last week called Coming Soon, and John Burke reminded us in the midst of this 20-year anniversary, it's an opportunity for us to relaunch. I mean, it was about 24 people 20 years ago that, that came together to create a space where people can come as they are, where people can come and be authentic about their struggles and their issues and their confusion and grow to become the people God created them to be. And now, 20 years later, with 5,000 of us in four different campuses, we can come together and we can celebrate on September 23rd. It's going to be a blast. In fact, I should warn you, we've actually sold out of the tickets that we were selling here. You can still get them online, but we're selling them kind of quick. So go online this week and buy tickets, not just for your family, but for friends and family you want to invite. This just helps defray the cost. We're not going to do an offering that night. We just want to be a night that we celebrate. But, but the reason we're doing this is not just to celebrate all that God has done, but we're using it as an excuse to have a conversation with the city about a loving God who loves everyone, and his message is transferred life by life. And so John challenged us last week to begin praying about 20 people that need to be loved, 20 people that are already in our life that we can begin praying for and even inviting into this, not just this event, but into this community. And so I want to just encourage you, many of you have taken us up on this invitation. You grabbed yard signs. We have more yard signs right there by the barn door. I love that Steph called it the barn door. I had never called it that before. Uh, and, but right there, yard signs. And some of you taken those and put them in your neighborhood. And some of you, uh, by the way, when I, I meant in your yard. Don't put it in your neighborhood. Put it in your yard. And decals, and, and, and when you go tell your story, you'll get a t-shirt, right? And, and by posting online, hashtag life by life, we're just creating a conversation about a community where you can come as you are. And in the end, our goal is not just to grow for the sake of growing. We just never want to be a place where there's not enough room for one more. And, and so don't let the, this idea of praying for 20 people overwhelm you. Just let it motivate you to just pray for one and then ask God, is there someone else I should begin praying for? And, and you might be surprised at the neighbors that come to mind, the coworkers, the family members that maybe you've even given up on, the friends that he wants you to start praying for. But you've taken us up on this invitation. And, and I have a kind of a different sort of invitation. Every Sunday, my encouragement to you is whatever you put into this experience is what you'll get out of it. So coming early to have conversations with others singing along and listening intently, praying and, and looking for opportunities to serve. But today I'm going to also give you an invitation, at least five of you, to share a meal. 
All right, so look under your chairs, kind of Oprah style for just a moment. There's no tickets to a car or anything quite like that, but to share a meal. So look under your seats. Five of you have an envelope. Look under your seats, five envelopes, see if you can find them. If you have it, come on up. Give them a hand, give them a hand as they come. All right, any chair right here, any of the green chairs? All right, here they come. So I want you to know, I'm an evangelist for slab barbecue. An evangelist means an enthusiastic advocate. And so you five, there should be one more, look at a chair near you. There's one more missing. And is Hannah out here? Maybe she can help us find that for one person. Uh, by the way, if you are not carnivorous, you can trade with somebody. Uh, there we go. Here she comes. All right. Uh, by the way, in the first service, I introduced everyone to cinnamon-rolled pancakes from Kirby Lane. Yes, that was like 2,000 calories in one illustration. Like, it was, it was awesome. But for you guys, you have a box lunch from Slab. And I, I should warn all of you, Slab is not open today because they have their barbecue at for, I mean, they have their, like, their cookout for their whole staff. So go tomorrow or the next day or the next day. But this feast is for you. You can open up the box and you can enjoy. God bless Slab Barbecue to their bodies. And, uh, but go ahead, open up, enjoy the feast. And I'm going to read a passage to us. It's about the feast. But I want you to taste and see that Slab Barbecue is good. <laughs> all right? So while they're eating, enjoying their meal, let's listen to this from Luke chapter 14. Jesus told this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so you know I can't come. <laughs> the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that the house will be full. See, this is the heart of God. He invites all of us to the banquet. And there's always room for more. Everyone is invited, even those who feel like they're the outcast and, and aren't going to be invited. You're invited. And see, when you and I live in a relationship with God and experience His love, we have something that the world is desperate for. We live in a world that's hungry for love, that's starving for love. I don't mean the kind of love that's super popular in our world right now, the kind of love that's a synonym for you make me happy, and when you don't, I'm going to find someone else. That, that's accessible and everywhere and fading. But what we're starving for is a love that's real, that's lasting, that's a, an accept me as I am, even when I'm not really that lovable. I'm an utterly committed to you kind of love. See, underneath all the failed relationships, all the one-night stands, all the volumes of divorces and billions of unhappy lives is a desire to be truly loved, a love that's unconditional and real. And we search for it. We endure so many betrayals looking for it. We try to manufacture it so that we might find it. 
We're hungry for real love, a kind of love that truly is beyond human capacity, a kind of love that only God can provide. And our world is fascinated, even perplexed, mesmerized by this kind of self-sacrificing love. Anytime we hear of people that are doing crazy sacrificial things for their kids or for a stranger, or we are mesmerized by it. Our heroes are people like Mother Teresa and Dr. King and Gandhi that were known for their self-sacrificial love. All the comic book hero movies have to go through this experience where they finally become less selfish and sacrifice before they become the hero. It's, it's within us to know that this is unique. And this is what we find in Jesus. But, but notice in the story that Jesus told that, that there were people that made excuses, many excuses. I was at the Global Leadership Summit that we hosted and and one of the speakers said something I thought was so profound. You can either make s- excuses or create solutions, but you can't do both. Uh, are you the type that makes excuses? Or are you the type that, that moves beyond excuses and, and looks for solutions? In fact, if you want the notes, we posted all of them at ericbryant.org. You can read it, all the different speakers. But I want you to think about that for a moment. What is the excuse you've made about connecting more closely with God? What's the excuse that's keeping you from connecting more closely with other people? See, when we allow ourselves to experience the fullness of the feast that God has for us, it not only meets our needs, but it can become the source, the, the, the motivation to go out and help meet the deepest needs of others by pointing them to God. See, the feast is open to all. Which, by the way, how's the, how's the barbecue? good keep eating keep eating yeah keep going please please eat yes you want to trade with somebody yeah go ahead pick whoever you want whoever looks hungry yeah raise your hand if you're hungry oh you got chosen somebody else here we go somebody's coming are you coming to eat who's it gonna come to eat are you guys making excuses this is literally the same thing i just talked about here she goes you want to trade spots is that okay can she eat up here is that all right come on up All right, thank you for sharing. That's very nice. That helped illustrate the excuses running rampant in this room. All right, check out this passage, Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly powerless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I I don't want this verse or this this story of Jesus to become so familiar that you forget the powerful message behind it. You are loved. Before you were ever born, God knew that he was would put you in this time and in this place so that you might have the best opportunity to find him. Of all the things I read this summer, one of the things that stood out was I discovered that there are more, uh, of all the people who've ever been alive, half of them are alive right now. And a mind-blowing thought. Of all the people who've ever lived, half are alive. We're alive, half of us. Of all humanity in history is alive right now. See, Jesus came at just the right time in history that everyone before him could could trust in a God who would come and save us. But most of humanity has come after Jesus so that we can 
discover that he has already come to rescue us and he's coming again to make things right. Don't let this story of Jesus be something that you just ignore. Don't be inoculated to the power of the story. Like Steph shared, her story was growing up familiar with the Christianity of her childhood, but, but she moved from here. We need to move from understand, or knowing it with our head and, and knowing him with our heart. Winning a Bible trivia competition is not what we're going for. Experience the presence of God, knowing you are loved, that he is your father. You have a friend that's closer than a brother in Jesus. This is the story that transforms us and through us can transform those around us. Life by life by life. When those who were closest to Jesus following him were told to keep quiet or else they would be imprisoned, they could not remain quiet. Listen to this in Acts 4. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. See, that's the sound of someone satisfied at the feast. They couldn't stop telling them other about what had satisfied their soul. Now, we live in Austin. By the way, one of the things we did this summer is we went out to eat a lot. We had a couple of little trips here and there, but we saved up most of our money so we could try new restaurants. And there's a lot of restaurants in Austin. I need another sabbatical to get to more. <laughs> but you know what's funny? When we discover something that's just incredible, like slab barbecue, we tell everybody about it. Not even people who don't even want to know. We just cannot help but tell people about these great places. How much greater is the experience of finding a, a loving God who's there with us, who's never going to let us go. Now, I realize we live in an anti-Christian, kind of post-Christian world, and so th there's a, this idea of being as wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. And, and so we don't want to go out and just, you know, carry our Bible and hit people over the head. That's not what you should do. Maybe it was done to you, and it didn't work on you. But I'm telling you that if we can share the same enthusiasm about a delicious meal, about an experience, an encounter with God, in a way that makes sense, in a way that relates, you'll be amazed at how open people are to that sort of spiritual experience. But this message went from life to life to life and has carried on for 2,000 years. So I, I need your help here at the table. Uh, it started with Peter and John. You're okay, you don't have to say anything, but if you could, Kim, hold up your sign. Peter. Everybody can see. There we go, Peter. So Peter was one of the first. He walked with Jesus, and through Peter came Barnabas. I think Barnabas is right there. Yes, Barnabas. He was known as the son of encouragement, and then he had the toughest job. He met a guy named Saul. Now, Saul was a bad dude. He was responsible for the killing of Christians and persecution of Christians. In fact, he was such a bad dude, no one wanted to hang out with him except for Barnabas. And Barnabas would vouch for him, but even that wasn't enough, so Saul changed his name to Paul. Do you have that one? That's right there. Yeah, Paul. His name, Saul, was branded poorly. He needed a rebranding, so he went now by Paul. And then Paul continued to share this message of love with a guy whose mom was Greek and father was Jewish. Or maybe it was the opposite. But his name was Timothy. Timothy, there he is. 
And then Timothy helped a guy who ended up spending time in the island of Crete named Titus. And this message continued all the way down to where we are today. In fact, I want to ask you, who was it that invited you to the feast? Maybe it was your mom or or grandmother. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it, it was a coworker. Who invited you to the feast? Who first talked about God and community in your life? Who even got you to this place? Isn't it possible that there are people around you that need that invitation and God has put you there so it might come from you? We live in a starving, hungry world. And you and I have been invited in. I want to walk through just real quickly what, what love looks like, a practical way that you can begin to or even continue to move this message of hope to the world that so desperately needs it. But loving everyone life by life could look different in each of these relationships, but five simple things that we can do. First of all, pray. Kim, if you flip that around, or it's on the screen, pray. Start asking God, God, just give me one person to pray for, and then once that person comes to mind, you pray for them, ask God, is there someone else? And and just see if if it reaches 20 or not. The point is, begin to pray, because when we pray, it not only softens their heart, but it actually changes ours. We are all of a sudden in a better position to even know how to do the second thing in this list, which is to connect. Connect on a relational level. Take them to slab. Share a meal. Share a conversation, an interaction. By the way, one of the things about the cell phone that was fascinating to get rid of is people were like almost kind of freaked out, like, why are you looking at me so much? <laughs> like having a meal with somebody and you're looking at them in the eye, that's like so rare now, right? <laughs> I wasn't looking at my phone. I was just looking at them. And they're like, would you stop looking at me so much? You know, I don't have anything else to look at, you know. <laughs> but sharing a conversation, getting to know someone and hearing their story, spending time with another person over coffee. A- and what ha- starts to happen is in the midst of connecting, then you start discovering ways that you can then, number three, serve them. How can you serve them? An errand that you could run, some, helping them get to work some sort of radical act of generosity, mowing their lawn. And then number four, inviting them. Looking for an opportunity to invite them. Now you know this, if you've been around Gateway for a while, you know this, if you're brand new, this, this might help dis- describe what we do here on Sundays. The, Jesus, much of his greatest teaching was actually done out on the mountains and in the fields. And one of those moments was called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, what's fascinating about these messages that Jesus shared is they're incredibly powerful, but he did them out in the field because he did it in a place where people who were not allowed in the synagogue could be. And so in that crowd at the Sermon on the Mount were the disciples, people who genuinely believed and trusted Jesus and the message he shared, but there were also people that could never make it into the synagogue, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the tax collectors who were prostitutes, and the prostitutes that collected taxes, and everybody in between. And see, the scriptures tell us that when you gather together, don't forget there may be some people there that do not yet believe. And so we're committed, and we always have been and always will be, that Sunday mornings is a place, if you're a disciple and if you're far away from God or don't even believe in a God, that if you come with an open heart and open mind, you can move forward in your spiritual journey. 
whether you've believed in God for a long time, you follow him, you're devoted to him, or you're not even sure he exists, there is a place here every Sunday for you to discover more of who God is. And in the midst of that, Paul said in Acts 17, uh, he quoted some of the, pro- the poets, the local poets in Athens. And so that's why you'll hear us do songs that you may already know. And, and we invite you to experience to sing songs you don't know. But when you engage, the more you put in, the more you get out. But see, Sundays is not just an experience created for you, but for those you love, those you care for, those that God puts on your heart to pray for, to connect with, to serve, and inviting them on a Sunday. By the way, in Austin, we're used to Friday nights and Saturdays. We're used to big crowds. Most people on their who have some sort of inkling about connecting with God are more open to come into a crowd than they are to come into a small group. So an inv- invitation on a Sunday won't surprise them. In fact, they will like the idea of being anonymous. And their team won't lose when they come, unlike other games they might go to on Saturday or Friday night. But this invitation could be what leads to transformation. And that's why we have networks and campuses and new campuses to come that are designed to help us better serve and love our, the people all around us. I shared this before in my sabbatical, but you, Gateway South, have helped make this big, fast-growing city feel like a small town. I, I walked around, even in my sabbatical, most of the time we, we were actually here in town, and I, I, I didn't shave for like a couple weeks. So I looked like a combination of Prince William and David Letterman. Right? This, and, and I was almost unrecognizable. And, and a couple times I was walking around the mall and, and one, of, one of us was there and she saw me. And it was like she saw Sasquatch or something. It was like, oh, he exists, right? Because I wasn't on social media. You didn't know where I was. She came running over to me and Deb and we had a chance to talk. But see, that's what makes being a part of this community so beautiful is that, that we run into each other, that we do life together. You've helped make this fast-growing big city feel like a small town. And we can do that for others around us. We want to create a conversation with the city to let them know there is a God who loves them. And so, here's what I want you to do. We brought it in these little boxes so you can take it to go. And you can share your leftovers with others. Uh, But we also have something else for you. Uh, We have a $10 gift card to Slab so you can invite someone. So you can show them. And that they can taste and see that slab is good. Can we give these five a hand as they go back to their seat? Thank you so much. And the fifth practical way after we've invited them is actually looking for opportunities to share. By this point, you've heard their story. You can look for the opportunity to share your story. And in that process, you'll have the opportunity to let them know of the love that God has for you. So if you guys don't mind, you can make your way back. Just take your food with you. Thank you guys so much. Give them a hand again. There you go. Let me read this verse to you, 2 Corinthians 5. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. See, with every conversation, every prayer, every act of service, every invitation, you and I are representing Jesus to the world. We are his ambassadors. We are reconcilers. 
in a world that's divided, we can bring people together. Let me ask you three questions as we close. First, are you encountering the love of God for yourself? See, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is being in God's presence no matter what problems you might have. Are you experiencing the love of God? Perhaps some of us that have that relationship, maybe we need to use the fall as a chance to reorient how we spend our time and, and diving into the scriptures and, and, and making time for prayer and for serving and for community together on Sundays. Is your path towards becoming more who he wants you to be, experiencing him more? Or maybe you're here and, and you've just recently decided, I want to follow Jesus. And you're growing, but maybe your next step is to declare that to the rest of us. Declare publicly what's already happened in your heart, and that's called baptism. When you are dunked in that water, you go under the water representing dying to your old life, and you're being raised to walk a new life. It's symbolic of being forgiven, washed clean of all of your mistakes and sin, that you might live a new life, knowing that he will help you grow. And maybe you're here, and and maybe that's your next step, is to say, you know what, I need what Jesus did on the cross to count for me. I, I want this to move from my head to experience him with my heart. If that's you, I want to invite you to be baptized today. Maybe you didn't plan on it. Just take your phone out of your pocket, and we'll baptize you in your jeans and give you a towel you can take home as a commemorative gift. But for those of us who can stick around and watch those getting baptized, it's a reminder of what's already happened in our hearts. It's a reminder that we are new creatures. Are you encountering the love of God that he has for you? Second, who do I want to encounter the love of God for themselves? Just begin to ask him who he wants you to pray for, who he wants you to invite on a Sunday or to the event on the 23rd? And the third question is, how am I going to let the movement of God's love flow through me to others? You will be amazed at what God can do through us. 24 people 20 years ago has turned into 5,000 people in four locations. I know these 24, there's nothing extraordinary about them other than their extraordinary faithfulness and the way they've 